I'm Marianne Kolbasek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Eddie Chang, Vice President of Cyber Risk Management at cyber insurance company Travelers Insurance. Eddie will be discussing his observations about the cybersecurity challenges that he sees facing the healthcare sector. So, Eddie, based on what you see and the sorts of cyber attacks and breaches being reported in the healthcare sector, what are the biggest cyber challenges that you see the healthcare sector entities facing? I think in the healthcare sector, we're seeing kind of what you would expect. People are really still concerned about their medical records. And so, when a healthcare provider or other associated provider has a data breach or even just kind of inadvertently loses medical records through employee negligence or a lost laptop or what have you, uh, that can be a pretty significant event for the provider, for the company or whatever. So the privacy risk is still really important for healthcare companies. And, you know, I say that it sounds obvious, but it's not necessarily true in every other area. So, for example, I think people tend to be almost inured to the idea that their credit card numbers might be stolen at some point. But, you know, when they hear that their medical records have been lost or disclosed in a breach, that really creates a lot of problems. So the privacy risk, I'd say, is is still the biggest issue for healthcare providers. In addition to the privacy risk, we've seen in the news and we've obviously seen claims coming in relating to what we call cyber extortion or ransomware. In the news, you've seen hospitals that have been hit by ransomware. And basically what this threat involves is when a certain kind of malicious software is able to infect the hospital or healthcare provider's network. It will basically lock up the files, encrypt the files, patient records, databases, emails, financial data. It will encrypt all that data and make it impossible for the healthcare provider or the hospital to continue doing its operations. That's a second significant risk that we're seeing hitting the healthcare industry. So, Eddie, with that said, based on the claims that you see coming into your company and, you know, the other things that you see as you work with healthcare sector entities, what are some of the top security mistakes that they're making that lead to these incidents? That's a really good question. When you look at these incidents, one of the things we really like to do is try to understand how it happens so that we can better understand and help our customers avoid the same types of mistakes. What we often see is that companies that have breaches don't have a really good understanding of what their what systems they're running, what data they've got, where that data is located, what they need to do to keep those systems and software systems up to date. So trying to get a really good understanding of what you've got on your network and where your data is really important for companies to, to, to do in order to prevent the breach. And that typically involves something like a network security assessment or some other assessment that actually goes beyond just doing a HIPAA compliance audit, which I think is what a lot of healthcare entities think about when they're thinking about cybersecurity. They're thinking about what do I need to do in order to comply with HIPAA when really the broader question they need to be asking themselves is, what do I need to do in order to be secure? And so understanding what their systems are, where their data is, is really the first important step. And I think a lot of organizations might not be doing an adequate job of that. And when you start digging into some of these cases, are there certain commonalities that you're finding, you know, other than perhaps not knowing where their data is, not doing thorough risk assessments? When you start digging in, are there certain security practices that are getting neglected? Well, I can certainly tell you something that 
that is kind of a newer trend in what we are seeing. And it follows along with what healthcare companies and other companies, frankly, are doing with respect to migration to the cloud. So I'm sure you're aware a lot of businesses, a lot of companies are moving data to the cloud. And even healthcare companies, you know, they, they may not be thinking that they're putting data in the cloud or, or really realizing it, but they'll sign on to use a new service provider or, you know, electronic medical records providers, someplace that they're going to store backup files or whatever, and that data will actually be out in the cloud. And that's a great thing. Putting data out in the cloud can help you reduce costs. It can make it easier to access the data. There's a lot of reasons why it helps to expand where you're going to put your data. But if you're not securing it properly, then that becomes a negative. That becomes a downside. So one of the things that we think is really important to help protect companies when they're putting data in the cloud is you can't just rely on a password. Companies really need to think about additional security controls, in particular something like multi-factor authentication, because once your data is out in the cloud, anybody who gets the password can access it. So you really need to do a little bit more than just having a password to protect that data. So, Eddie, you mentioned cloud, you mentioned cloud vendors. Now, Quest Diagnostics recently disclosed an unauthorized access breach impacting 12 million patients, but the breach actually occurred at a third party, at a collections agency that handles collections for a Quest contractor, Optum360. That incident occurring at the American Medical Collections Agency, or AMCA, also impacted several other lab testing companies, impacting millions of more individuals. Details of the incident are still foggy, but any top lessons about vendor risk issues that are emerging from this case so far that you'd want your clients to know so that they would avoid falling victim to something like this? So without commenting specifically on the case, I can say that vendor risk management is becoming a really critical part of information security. And it's for exactly the scenario that you just described, as companies, healthcare providers, allow other companies in the healthcare space, you know, the business associates, to have access to their data or to have access to their network, once you do that, then the vulnerabilities, whatever vulnerabilities your vendors have, become your vulnerabilities, right? So if your vendor is using poor password control techniques and hackers are able to get onto their network and from there get onto your network, basically those poor password control techniques of your vendor have just exposed your own network to an attack. So the lesson that we're seeing in these cases, the real takeaway is that it's really important for companies to have pretty strict procedures and policies about managing their vendors. When you've got really sensitive data, we're seeing that companies that use vendors are going beyond just issuing a questionnaire to ask whether they have appropriate security controls. But, you know, they'll do on-site audits. They'll require contractual provisions with respect to having indemnification or even insurance coverage, all kinds of things to ensure. They'll, they'll do annual audits, not just, you know, when the vendor signs on for the first time, but they'll do it on a regular basis to make sure that the vendor's controls are appropriate. So having a vendor management program in place is really becoming something that, not just in the healthcare space, but really any company that has sensitive data needs to start imping if they haven't that already. 
Now, when you deal with cases involving clients and cyber insurance claims and there's a vendor involved with an incident, do you see much blame game going on between the primary entity and the vendors and any suggestions there on trying to avoid those situations? The blame game thing is kind of interesting. It really very much depends on the relationship between the vendor and the the company itself, the, the healthcare provider itself. You, you know, every relationship is a little bit different in terms of kind of which entity has more of the power in that relationship. If there's a, for example, a, a medical records provider that everybody is using or a billing service that everybody is using, then it becomes a lot harder to get contractual provisions in your favor or that kind of thing. But really, what's important, I think, to understand when you've got a vendor relationship is that both sides of that relationship really need to understand the expectations with respect to data privacy. It's not just enough to kind of give data to a vendor and assume that they're going to do the right thing. It's really important to have that conversation and to understand and think through the scenarios of, okay, what's going to happen if the data gets lost here? What's going to happen if this service is not available to me for a few days because of some kind of a network outage? And understand who's going to be responsible for investigating, make sure that both sides understand and actually have contractual obligations to cooperate in any kind of investigation and understand who's going to be financially responsible for whatever damages might occur from such an incident. Eddie, what emerging cyber threats facing the healthcare sector that perhaps we've seen in other sectors but haven't hit the healthcare sector yet or maybe just unique things facing the healthcare sector? What are most concerning to you right now and why? Something emerging, so going beyond the privacy exposures and the ransomware and that kind of thing, and let's stick with the topic of vendors, because going beyond the idea that a vendor might have your data, there's something called supply chain risk that we're starting to see in other areas that I think are very likely to hit the healthcare sector as well. And supply chain risk refers to the following. If you're a healthcare provider and you're relying on certain software specialized software, electronic medical records, software, what what have you, and your software provider gets compromised, they might inadvertently introduce a vulnerability uh, when they update the software on your networks. So that was actually something that we saw about a year and a half ago with the uh, NotPetya incident where a tax provider's software was actually the root for which a lot of companies were infected. Um, But that supply chain risk is is definitely emerging. And the other kind of risk, emerging risk, that we're seeing that with related to vendors is with respect to managed service providers. So the idea there is if you are a healthcare provider, and you think about a lot of medical practices, they don't have an in-house IT team, right? They're going to outsource their IT to a specialist company, which makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. But when that outsourced company gets compromised, sometimes the attackers are able to get from the outsourced companies and get into the networks of all the healthcare providers that that company is working for. So you see kind of two different supply chain risks that we're already starting to see in other areas that I think are likely to be hitting the medical field if they haven't done so already. With that said, Eddie, what about third-party application software vendors that provide apps to either healthcare entities or maybe to patients and patients sharing their health data with others. Do you think that 
as a whole, third-party application vendors are spending enough attention on some of the security issues that might make their applications vulnerable? So this is a really interesting development area where application developers who are separate from medical providers often are kind of aggregating data from a lot of from a lot of different providers and making the data more available and easy to access for the consumer or the patient. And I think in those kinds of instances, it really depends on the relationship between the medical provider and the app developer. Because if the app developer is providing a service where they're collecting the records that are provided to them and made available to them by the patient, then the healthcare provider doesn't have a whole lot of influence in how that app developer is going to protect the data. But on the other hand, if the medical provider actually has a relationship with the app developer, for example, they're creating the app themselves and providing a portal for patients to look at their records through this new app, then I think it's really incumbent, really important for the medical provider, the hospital, or, or whoever's providing that app to make sure that that app is being designed from the ground up with security in mind. So, you know, there are terms like SDLC, which, you know, secure development lifecycle, making sure that the code is properly secured, um, making sure that the code is actually tested, and not, not just tested for functionality, which is obvious, but security tested, so penetration tested. There should be specialists in evaluating mobile application security who are trying to actually attack the application to see if they can break the security and get in before that application gets released to patients and users. Thanks, Eddie. I've been speaking to Eddie Chang of Travelers Insurance. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.